You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. How are we doing? Hey, my name is Austin Wadloff. We haven't met before. I'm the college pastor here. What up? How's it going? My name is Coleman Maxwell, and I'm Austin's friend. <laughs> he, uh, if you haven't been here in the past couple weeks, he's uh, uh, one of the chaplains for the TCU football team. And uh, I don't know what's up with him wearing his TCU stuff here. You do realize you are in like uh, UNT, TWU. Yeah, mean Green Country. Yeah, yes, sir. I saw a bus driving through town today and said, uh, it had a horn frog on the side and said, horned and dangerous. Yes, sir. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, hey, I, I, I want to say this. I don't think we said this in the welcome time. Uh, if you are new here, uh, we want you, we want to know you're here. Like, we don't want to force you to tell us you're here. But uh, a, a really stealth way you can do that is if you go to our website, um, which is overflowdenton.org. Everything for us, social media and everything's Overflow Denton. So if you go to overflowdenton.org or overflowdenton.com, either one. They're both ours. Uh, the front page, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, uh, there's a thing that says connect with us. And if you would take two seconds to, to connect with us, fill that out, it would be great. We'd love to know that you're here and love to follow up with you. Um, so as you know, we are in the middle of a series called Segregated. We kicked it off two weeks ago. We were off last week. Um, and I just, again, Coleman and I want to share our heart for this series before we dive in tonight. Uh, we, five years ago, six years ago, December 2010, we started praying for... Uh, this ministry, um, you know, Lord, what do you want this ministry to look like? And he really gave us four things to pray for that we've been praying for ever since. And one of those things was that the diversity of our ministry would reflect the diversity of the population of college students uh, in Denton. And the reason, the heart really behind that prayer is, you know, you read scripture all the time. You see the words, all nations, all nations, all nations, over and over and over. And uh, that, that word nations, at least the Greek word for it, is the word ethnos. What does that sound like in English? Yeah, ethnicities. I mean, over and over and over, you see in Scripture, God is saying all, all nations, all ethnicities, all ethnicities, all ethnicities. And you, you see in Scripture also that we, as God's people, as the church, are supposed, supposed to be God's ambassadors. Um, so it's supposed to reflect His image and be His image bearers. And the reality is, if, if we as the church are all like, uh, I don't know, what's the fancy word here, like mono-ethnic, is that a word? Like one ethnicity? Like if we're all white, if we're all black, you know? And, monochromatic. Sure, whatever. I don't know. But, you know, if we're all like one ethnicity in this gathering or, or that gathering over there, we are not really reflecting God's glory. He's a global God. He's an all-nations God. He's not a you know, white people God, black people God, Hispanic people God, whatever, you know. He's an all-nations God. And, you know, we, we, we encouraged y'all last week. You know, our, our, our ministry has really uh, gotten to be re- re- pretty diverse, more diverse than statistically most, most churches' ministries are around the country. We still have room to grow in that if we're going to reflect the diversity of the population of college students in Denton. But I do want to encourage you, we are diverse. But our heart behind this series, Segregated, is the reality that the church across America does not look like what we believe God wants it to look like. And here's the thing. If you don't like diversity, you are not going to like heaven. Mm-hmm. Revelation 7-9 says that all nations, tribes, tongues, people from every language are going to be gathered in front of the Lamb, in front of the throne, worshiping Him. That's eternity also. If you don't like diversity, you ain't going to like heaven. And so our heart behind this is, let's paint a better picture of God's heart, and, uh, and let's try to individually, but also collectively, grab that. That being said, uh, I said this last week, we said this last week, or two weeks ago, that we know that choosing to do this series is like choosing to run through a minefield. Anybody in here ever run through a minefield before? Raise a hand. Nobody. Cool. Uh, that's smart. 
You don't do that. You get blown up, right? Uh, or, or hurt, whatever. Um, it's risky to run through a minefield. And what we mean by that is we know that in doing this, we are risking, in, uh, risking saying something that maybe offends on, on accident. You know, accidentally saying something the wrong way that is offensive or whatever. Um, so in that sense, it's like running through a minefield. We also understand this topic is yeah. touching, yeah, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and so in that sense, it's like running through a minefield. But um, as risky as it is to run through this minefield, as we said two weeks ago, we feel like it's even riskier to yes. not run through this minefield. Yeah. Because we believe this is so important to God's heart, so close to his heart. So uh, I've talked a lot, my bad. No, you're good. This is so good. let me ask you this before we start. What, what's, what is, you've been Coleman's preaching tonight, which is a good thing. If, you, if, this, if this is your first time here, you came on the best night. Um, if, uh, yeah. if you could share with us, as you've been preparing for this week, what, what have you been praying would happen in this room? Yeah. <clears throat> it's, uh, yeah, the biggest thing is that, hey, you would see yourself as a family, and uh, obviously as part of the body of Christ, and that as a family, we would take these issues seriously, and that uh, we would see the gospel as a standard as we uh, pursue racial reconciliation. So that's been my hopes and prayers for y'all. So, yeah. Um, so I'm going to pray for Coleman before we start, but I do want to ask, I'm hearing some feedback. Is that me or is that him? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, do you think it's something I can fix real quick? You don't know? Let's check the antenna here really, really quickly. Sweet. <laughs> we'll see if that works. Hey, if that doesn't work, then uh, just grab one of those mics. Okay? That works. You're cool with that. All right, hey, I'm going to pray for Coleman, and then we're going to dive in. Lord, thank you so much for uh, tonight and uh, the chance to do this. Um, dive in your word again like we do every week. And we just want to uh, pray that in this moment um, our, our worldview, our perspective would, would change, would grow. Our understanding of who you are and what you desire would change and grow. Um, mm -hmm. Lord, we want to be a body of believers that not only here reflects um, your glory as accurately as we possibly humanly can, but we also want to be a catalyst for um, changing uh, the world and changing um, specifically this issue in the world and the fact that um, there is so much division and there's so much um, racial division, but not just racial division. There's a lot of division in so many areas, and we want to be the catalyst as um, your body of believers who are, um, who have you in us, who have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we want to be a part of changing, um, changing the world. And so I pray over Coleman as he opens your word with us tonight. Lord, speak through him, give him clarity, give him courage, um, and uh, Lord, give him that charisma that comes from your Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts in the way that only you can. Um, we are tools, and tools are worthless until you pick, us, pick, pick them up or somebody picks them up to use them. And so I pray that you pick Coleman up tonight, use them, and uh, in the way that only you can, would you create growth and transformation in our hearts. And I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Appreciate it, bro. Give you that. Okay. Hello? Hey, it's good to see y'all. And that was really loud. set here. Cool, man. So, first of all, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Coleman Maxwell. It's been said a few times already. Uh, I just need you to know <clears throat> it's been an honor to hang out with you guys and girls tonight. Um, and just to travel to Denton uh, quite a bit this semester and just to see what God is doing here and um, hear about what God is doing in the city, stuff like that. And so, I see you guys' role is super crucial 
uh, here in Denton, Texas. And so I just want you to continue to be encouraged and to take ownership of that. And uh, tonight, um, there's an opportunity for God to capture your heart again and again and again. Okay? So, yeah. Anyway, so, man, how was Thanksgiving for y'all? Oh, y'all, y'all was kind of excited about that. How was Thanksgiving for y'all? Hey, anybody eat real good? Hey, my man right there with the North Texas hoodie. <laughs> he rubbed his hand. Yes, sir. You ain't good, bro? And that's what's up, man. Who else in here ain't good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. I'm sure y'all had one of those moments where you ate, um, and then, of course, you watched the amazing Cowboys. Uh, oh, yeah. Turn up one time. Yeah. And then you, you hit the itis, and you was out. Yeah, yeah. Who in there had that type of experience? Quite a bit. Yeah, that's what's up, man. That's good. Any, anybody eat anything good? That's good. He like, yes, I sure did. That's what's up. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, you already know what I was on. You know what I'm saying? I was on that uh, beans, greens, tomatoes, potatoes, lambs, hams, hogs, mugs. You name it. Yeah. I actually, I've been waiting on this moment. So, that I'll never do that again, but I had to do it that time. Um, I probably bugged, uh, annoyed my wife with uh, watching all the videos. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, but when you eat good, you know, say you get up out of the chair, you just do that, that Millie Rock, you know? So I'm with it, I'm with it. I see you, I see you, Green Hoodie, I see you. <laughs> That's cool. Anyways, uh, it's, it's good to be amongst y'all tonight. Uh, I know Thanksgiving was great, uh, but I know for Austin and I, man, we want to keep this series rolling. And so, um, although it was good to, to have a, a week off, man, but uh, man, our hearts and our minds, have been thinking about y'all, have been thinking about this series. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's crucial. So segregated, night number two. And if there's any type of, I guess, title that I can give this, um, I would call it partiality or the kingdom, or partiality or the cross. And uh, I'll get a chance to explain that as we go. Uh, but I just want to kind of refresh us two weeks ago, and some of the key things that Austin talked about. That way, we can continue just to move forward, uh, but also keeping some of the things that Austin said at the forefront of our minds, because for me, um, I had to go back and listen to some of the things that he talked about, because uh, it was challenging to me, and, and I just had to talk to the Lord. There was some repentance that had to take place in my heart. And so I just want to um, start out by talking about some of the points that that Austin made two weeks ago, and we'll just go from there. One, Austin said, our country is filled with a history of massive racially charged tension and divisions going back to the European settlers' interactions with Native Americans, and then slavery, black codes, Jim Crow laws, civil rights movement, etc." He said, he also said, unfortunately, in recent history, the church in so many cases has taken a seat on the outskirts of this conversation when it needs to be at the center of it, driving it and guiding it. Man, that is, that is super important, super convicting all at the same time uh, because I myself have taken a back seat, have sat on the outskirts of this in, in many ways. And we'll begin to talk about that some more. 
Uh, number three, we've gone from being a group of people, historically speaking, who knew our role was to disrupt culture to becoming a group of people seemingly terrified at the thought of doing such a thing. And that's a, that's a really important note. Uh, I think back to the first church, you know, Acts, um, and even just the passage in Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, and it was awesome to see how countercultural they were and how counterintuitive they were, but also how attractive that was to the world around them. Not only was it super attractive to the world around them, but man, lives were being changed by the thousands and the thousands. And so this type of stuff is really big. And so uh, the implications of that today is that in the midst of a racially divided climate and uh, just heavily divided climate in so many ways, what is our role as the church? And are we willing to, to be looked at differently to be countercultural. That's big. Number four, he said, there's a huge difference between a Band-Aid and a cure. And this for sure was big for me because I'm such a, a visual learner. And uh, I, th I actually thought about uh, how me and my brother, we were riding our bikes one day uh, in our little neighborhood. And Braxton, that's, that's his name, he, uh, he fell off his bike. and. Uh, we were on the road with some loose gravel. So, so when he fell, obviously, he wanted to brace his hand and, uh, you know, keep from hurting himself. But when he got up, he realized he had this big old rock stuck in his hand right there. I, I was like, wow. And he was freaking out. Blood was just coming out. So anyways, we rode our bikes home. You know, he you know, had one hand off, and he was riding his bike. And uh, we got home, and uh, mom pulled that joker out with a tweezers, threw some peroxide on it and uh, put a Band-Aid on it. And uh, so, yep, for a couple of hours, the Band-Aid was on, then it fell off, you know. And so it, it just made me think about this moment of, you know, when thinking about racial reconciliation, um, there's been a lot of Band-Aids that have been put in place to, to cause change. And, and these Band-Aids aren't necessarily bad. Uh, we just see these changes as uh, temporary changes. and, and not necessarily dealing with the heart. And so we'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the cure, the gospel. Number five, Austin says, society continues to bring Band-Aids to the table. In fact, that's the only thing that, can, uh, that they can bring to the table. Um, he says, society's solutions and ideas fix this problem. You know, racism um, are just Band-Aids. They just cover it up for a while until the Band-Aid falls off again. Historical example, the Civil Rights Movement, the 1960s. Um, that was actually such a key movement. And, um, you know, it ended the Jim Crow laws, and, and it set us up for a lot of great stuff. Um, although this was a monumental moment in, in our history, it still has the Band-Aid effect. And I can't tell you how hard that is for me to admit uh, because as an African-American male, when I look at the civil rights movement, um, I see so much liberty. I see so much freedom and, and uh, just uh, people paved, who have paved the way for me to be able to do many things that I've done. Uh, but as a believer, I also must acknowledge that it is in many ways a Band-Aid. It is a Band-Aid. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, it has the band-aid effect, and because we see that racial tension, segregation, violence, and other rhetoric has reared its ugly face continually since that movement has taken place. So the most important question for us tonight is why does this segregated series exist? Why, why does this series exist? This is something we have to ask ourselves. And for, for Austin and I, this isn't, this isn't a, a series that we think it would just be cute and it would fit um, in a college scenario. And, you know, it was just, we can mark it off the checklist that we talk about this stuff. Man, there's some urgency that has been brewing in our, our hearts and a lot of people's hearts that we know. And so we see this as utmost important uh, to talk about. Oh, it's a big deal. The reason this series exists is because Band-Aid solutions do have their place, but they are in no way the ultimate remedy. The good news of what God has done for his people is the cure, the permanent remedy. So that's what we want to keep at the forefront. Everything you do is measured by a standard. Everything you do is measured by a standard. And so if we just pursue this, this racial unity just for the heck of it, with, with God not a part of it, then it just becomes another cool kumbaya thing that will eventually fade out. But when God is at the center and at the forefront, we see that kingdom things happen. Hearts are changed. Hearts are regenerated. And that's what's up. This is indeed the conversation that must be had. Furthermore, Austin made this personal by asking us, where is the church, capital C? Where is the church in all of this? I think back to, to the moment when Martin Luther King um, and his squad uh, marched uh, down to Selma. And uh, there was a lot of churches that were silent. And it breaks my heart every time I think about it. There were a lot of pastors that were silent. And even specifically in the majority culture. And so the question that, that Austin asked tonight, where is the church in all of this, is so important. I mean, that's just one example. Where is the church in all of this? If Jesus has saved, has saved your life and given you a new heart, then you were obligated to be in this conversation. Why is that? That's, that's important. Let, let, me, let me say that again. That's a, I think that's really big. I think that's really big. If Jesus has saved your life and given you a new heart, then you are obligated to be in this conversation. I don't know if someone has ever told you that statement specifically. But I think oftentimes we see this scenario as a side option. We see it as something that ah, we may leave to this group of people or that group of people. If you're in a majority culture, you're saying, some, some people have said, ah, we want, we'll leave it up to them to fix themselves. If you're in a minority culture, you're like, oh, we don't need their help. We'll figure this out. We'll, we'll see it through. 
And I would say that both sides, man, must repent, must check their hearts. Because at the end of the day, when, when God is thinking about his kingdom, he's always thinking about a diverse kingdom, of diverse people who have diverse gifts and talents. And the standard for God, I'm sorry, and the standard for diversity is God himself. The standard for diversity is God himself. You must know this tonight. Why is it God himself? Because God is a Trinitarian God. He exists three persons, but is one. Three distinct persons, but is one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all have distinct roles. And so diversity at its core is birthed from God himself. And so this is a big deal. This is a very, very big deal. And so for my, this is, this is a quick detour. For my philosophy heads and my science heads in here, um, I, I, I'm one of those guys, I, I love that, talking about that type of stuff. I love trying to think critical. Um, and, and so for a moment, when I was uh, standing over there, just worshiping, just thinking about how good God is, I thought about, okay, if God doesn't exist, which we know that God exists in so many ways, we know it, so many proof, so much proof. But let's, let's say God doesn't exist. Then a question I have for those who see science as the ultimate standard is this. What is the remedy for racism? Because if science is the mean to an end, then science must answer, must give empirical evidence for how to, how to get rid of racism. This is a big deal. And so I just want you to chew on that tonight. For those that claim to be atheists, and I love my atheist homies, we have great conversations all the time. But for those who, who claim to be that, you must, you must answer this. How should you deal with racism? Especially when, when a moral compass to you is jeopardized. And so this is a big deal. So anyways, that was a detour, um, but it really stirred my heart for the affections of, of God and who he is and how there is a remedy when you look at this through the lens of the gospel. So, your job description as a Christian one who is following Christ and reflecting God's image, Genesis 126 and 127, and trusting the Holy Spirit in your life is to be loyal to the Great Commission. Let me say that again. Your job description as a Christian, one who is following Christ and reflecting God's image and trusting the Holy Spirit in your life is to be loyal to the Great Commission. So if you've ever struggled with what God's will is for your life, here it is, the Great Commission. And there's much freedom for you to do that in how God has geared you through your gifts and your talents. But your role here tonight, if, yeah, your role here tonight is so important, so significant. You do not have to be a pastor, music minister, youth pastor, a, a, college, a cool college pastor like Austin, um, all these things. You don't have to be any of those things to be a part 
of the mission of God. This is important for you to know. Your job description as a Christian, one who is following Christ and reflecting God's image and trusting the Holy Spirit in your life is to be loyal to the Great Commission. So let's go to God's word and see what our commission is as a follower of Christ. Please turn to Matthew 28, 18, 18 to 20. That's kind of a tongue twister. I'll give you a couple minutes to turn there. Well, I got to turn there too. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This right here should get you hyped. This should get you excited. It's a big deal. This is, this is who you are and what you do as a believer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Once again, if you are a follower of Christ in this room tonight, this is your mandatory and satisfying job description. Be encouraged. That's a big deal. You get to participate in the mission of God. And might I add, that is a privilege, not a right. To participate in the mission of God. And so because it is a privilege, these issues that face us, to create an urgency inside of you to be involved and not to take a seat on the outskirts. And this is, this is super convicting to myself. Also, there are a couple of non-negotiable commands within this commission. When you look at your job description, there are a couple of non-negotiable commands. This is huge. Number one, Jesus told them to go. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, it, it's translated, while you are going. Number two, oh, oh, well, first of all, with Jesus telling them to go, telling disciples to go, this is a big deal because that was a command and not a suggestion. And I've, to, I've, I've talked about this before uh, in, in the Sunday school here, uh, but this is a really big deal, right? Go. I can remember the time that you know, I was playing the Nintendo 64 with some of my homies at, at my house. And uh, mom was there, and uh, she said, she said, hey, bud, that was my nickname. That was my family nickname, or it still is, bud. He said, hey, bud, I need you to go clean your room real quick, period. I said, okay, okay, cool, I'll, I'll do that. And so she, she walked in her room, and so I'm like, okay, cool. She walked in the room, so, you know, she probably wasn't thinking I should, you know, do it right now, you know. And so I'm good, you know, I'm fixing to continue to beat my dude in this Mario Kart, and we'll roll with it. And uh, not even five minutes later, she came back out and didn't say anything to me, but she took the console, ripped it out of the TV, and threw it out the front door. <laughs> uh, and then proceeded to say, what did I tell you to do? 
that was not a suggestion, boy. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, she let me know. And so, um, of course, I got up and went because I knew what was next. Uh, if, if I even turned my neck a certain way. Uh, so, uh, so, that was a command and not a suggestion. When Jesus said, go, that is a command, not a So, this is a big deal for you and I as Christians. Number two, Jesus told them to make disciples. I love this. Because you get the opportunity to share the cure to those around you. And we know the cure to be the good news of what Jesus has done for the whole world. We also know that anything outside of Jesus doesn't satisfy. So you have been given this charge to tell people about Jesus and to walk alongside them to make sure that they are growing to look more like Christ and to reflect his image. That's part of the job description. Number three, Jesus told them to make disciple of all nations. And now Austin talked about it, and I love that he went there. The word nations um, translates to the word ethne or ethnos, which is where we get our English word ethnicities from. So this is a big deal. I love this. I love, love, love that Jesus said this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so this is, this is big for us. This means that it doesn't matter where you're at or who you are to talk to. Talk to. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus. So that means here in America, overseas, in unreached places. And I love Austin's heart for, for missions and for overseas missions. That is so key. But I also love Austin's heart for, uh, for saying that a lot of those people groups are here. And I, and, and I love it, man. I see when I, when I step on Denton's campus, I'm like, man, this joker is diverse like a mug, you know? And so I'm like, man. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I dig it, you know? But what that means is all of you have the opportunity to speak light to those around you and to share the love of Christ to those around you. So that's a major key. Yeah, yeah. Someone caught that. And then others caught it, but they were like, oh, should I lie? Like, is he talking about anything I'm talking about? <laughs> so this is huge when, for us when thinking about racial reconciliation. As a church, we actually don't get to take a backseat or be passively silent on the issues of segregation, racism, pride, cultural bias, etc. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the standard for this. And, I, and one that comes, to, the example that comes to mind is uh, when he approached a Samaritan woman at the well. This, is, this may be my favorite story in the Bible for so many reasons. But in a nutshell, this Samaritan woman uh, was a big time devout prostitute. I mean, big time. And so her form of punishment was that she would walk to the well by herself, because, you know, they use ladies walking pairs to the well to draw water. The punishment and the form of shame for her was that she would walk by herself in the heat of the day. Okay? 
at the same time, uh, Jesus and his squad were on, on their mission. And so instead of going around this town, Sychar, they went through it, which was totally on purpose because Jesus is always being missional. And so they are, uh, a couple, his two guys, I can't remember how many with them, uh, but they went to go get food. And he went to this well, saw this woman, he approached her, and, uh, and he totally set her off from the get-go. And, he, and she, he said, hello, ma'am, can I have a drink? And she looked at that dude crazy, Jesus, and was like, uh, how can you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan? For Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. So she recognized the cultural boundary fast. And, uh, and Jesus did something really cool. He said, uh, the water that you drink, talking about Jacob's well, which was super crucial, super important, the most important source for that community, because not only did they draw for it for themselves, but for their families, for the animals, for the plants, all that stuff. He said, the water that you drink will leave you thirsty again. But the water that I will give you will never leave you thirsty forever. As a matter of fact, it will become a well of eternal life. So Jesus, not worried about being a Jew, talking to a Samaritan, not only a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman, crossed this cultural boundary because he was madly in love with this dirty prostitute. Think about the implications of that. Let that sink in. Jesus wasn't worried about his own culture. He didn't have any biases. His unconditional love superseded all of that. And so we call ourselves image bearers of Christ. Or followers of Christ then we should do the same thing in our circles. So the remedy for, for pursuing racial reconciliation and, and putting an end to segregated churches and, and segregated hangout groups and, and seg segregated hangout groups in the student union, I don't know what y'all call it on UNT, um, I thought I was hearing something else. Anyway, so um, the remedy is, is Christ's love in you. Christ's love knows no boundaries. The world totally has boundaries set up. That's a big deal. The problem of racism is nothing new to the world we exist in. Since the fall of man in Genesis 3, we have seen humanity trust their self-sufficiency selfish agendas, and sinful thoughts over the glorious satisfaction of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a scary scenario right here. Since the fall of man, humanity has trusted in their own selfish agendas. And it has caused so much division in so many areas of life. Pride is has welled up in us and caused us to, to look at other people groups as inferior. 
or superior. And this is, this is not okay because that's not how we were created. That's not how we were created to operate. And so this has played itself out historically in so many different ways. Furthermore, the church has not been perfect on this matter for a long time as well. And tonight, I want to zone in on James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So I give you time to turn to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So tonight, I just want to spend some time just, just speaking on a, on a few verses, and, uh, and I'll give you some some life application that you want. James chapter 2, the subtitle, part, The Sin of Partiality. The Sin of Partiality. Here's what I love about the book of James. The book of James is so practical. Um, it's so practical, and, and James heartbeat is obedience to God's commands and obedience to the things that satisfy. And so, man, I just want to spend some time talking about this. Partiality. Let me, let, let's define this term. Here's some of the, the terms that, or here's some of the definitions that, that I looked at within the dictionary app. Uh, number one, partiality is the state or character of being partial. Number two, partiality is a favorable bias or prejudice. Number three, partiality is a special fondness, preference, or liking. And then some of the words in the thesaurus that are related to this word are discrimination, bias, Jim Crowism, injustice, racism, narrow-mindedness. So let's read what James has to say to Christians way back in A.D. 44. We take time to read this. This, is, this gets real juicy. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your, labor, your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. 
But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those, as those who are not to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, what a super, super key passage. This letter, this is important. I kind of want to give just a little bit of context that, that I think will bring some, some more potency to, to the book of James in general. This letter was written to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, which likely refers to the churches spread throughout Asia Minor. And because of this, the letter was more than likely meant to be a circular letter that would be read by many congregations in many places. This is big. So this letter treats issues and problems that have been common, that would have been common to all of the recipients. Problems that impacted Christian congregations wherever they were located. This is how I know God is real. Because this, this inspired letter was meant to be a circular letter that got to different congregations all the way even to 2016. So this is a big deal that we get to read and feast on the inspired word of God. That's a major key to how relevant this passage is to us today. And so here, here's some things that, that I wanted to chew on tonight, just starting in the first couple of verses. Number one, we are captured by the glory of Christ. We are captured by the glory of Christ. So right off the block, verse one, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So if you call yourself a Christian, then you must not show any partiality. Uh, other versions call it favoritism. How crazy is this? How relevant is this for all of us? It's so easy, just like Austin talked about, for us to get in our own groups and then be completely homogenous. We all look alike. Or we all think alike. And I'll be the first to admit, man, that's, that's comfortable. That's comfortable. But right here, just even just knowing that partiality is a sin. Since my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. There's no room or partiality, there's no room for racism, there's no room for, for this cultural bias in the kingdom of God. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, 
you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If we are truly captured by the glory of Christ, then we will not show favoritism. If you were truly captured by the glory of Christ, then you will not show favoritism. And this is, this is somewhat disturbing to me because when I look at the time period of my, my granny, you know, and, and my granddaddy, and even their parents, some of them developed a bitterness towards towards a lot of Christians, and specifically in the majority culture. And so I often ask myself, man, did they ever come across James chapter two? What was how 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 relevant was James chapter two? In the 60s, the pastors spend time on this passage talking to their congregations about this passage right here. In the 50s. And then specifically, when, it talk, when it's talking about the, the rich man, um, we see Christ's supremacy over the wealthy. And this is this is important. Because, uh, let's see, where was it? For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes in your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, man, that is this nasty favoritism that we exude on a daily. Whether it's people we hang out with, um, whether it's something that we're in need of, we have a tendency to show this type of favoritism. Here's, here's the key, though. We're all needy, spiritually. And we should remember Christ's sacrifice for the needy, which is all of us. For the marginalized. Number two. We are gripped by the grace of Christ. So let's look at verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs in the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? God, by his grace throughout history, has delighted in showing his grace to the poor of this world. And I look at when he calls some of the fishermen uh, back in the day to come follow me. That that wasn't the richest profession or it wasn't the, the fanciest profession that you could do. But God didn't have their qualifications in mind when he chose them. And this is big for all of us. This is not talking about poverty being equated with righteousness and wealth being equated with wickedness. This is really important to, to wrap your minds around. This is not saying that the poor are the only ones who should be righteous. This is not what this is saying at all. The point is that it was easy and still is easy to look at outward appearances and judge or treat people solely based off that, off their outward appearances. 
There's times where I have preconceived notions by many in the majority culture, and I, and I have these judgments toward them. And my heart is, is full of sin because I begin to put them in this certain box. So as you can see, I really feel super inadequate to be up here tonight because a lot of this stuff is directly um, convicting me. So it's, it's good, it hurts, all at the same point. But James is giving the charge to look at men through the lens of the grace of God in Christ. So if you call yourself a Christian tonight, one of the charges is that you would take off your selfish lens when, when it comes to being missional. That you would take off your selfish lens when it comes to serving those around you. That you would take off your selfish lens when people in the minority culture are hurting. Or that you would take off your selfish lens when people in the majority culture don't understand where you're coming from. Because God's grace is so sufficient for all aspects of this. Number three, we are devoted to the law of Christ. James starts speaking about the royal law. And this is, this is super important for us. The royal law. The royal law in scripture, James is quoting from Leviticus 19, 18, when God says to love your neighbor as yourself. When James references the law, he's not talking about all the Levitical laws, moral codes, and dietary laws. He's talking about, uh, he, he, he is talking about the understood as the commands of God ultimately fulfilled in Christ. The law is summed up in two great commandments. Let me hear them. Love God and Yes. What is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. And then we are cognizant of the judgment of Christ. James makes a heavy note of how dangerous partiality is. <clears throat> Excuse me. James reminds us that we will be judged according to our speech and actions. So let me, let me read that. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be just under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. For judgment, man, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. This was an issue that the Christians in AD 44 were struggling with. Not only were they struggling with this, but many congregations in that time period were struggling with this. And it's crazy to know that that is super consistent now. There is judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. So the question I have for you tonight is, how have, have you shown mercy to those around you? 
Have you exuded a love that goes beyond your cultural bias? Have you made time to get to know someone who doesn't look like you? Have you made time to get to know someone who doesn't think like you, who doesn't agree with you? Are you partial to just how you have been raised up your whole life? See, these are the questions that, that I have to ask myself. And, and even being in an interracial relationship, I find myself faced with these things all the time in my heart. And so I have to repent and fight against partiality, which can translate itself into racism or bias. And just to further elaborate on this judgment, let's go to Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. It says, Paul says, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For God shows no partiality. Like I said earlier, everything is measured by a standard. And so we're trying to pursue racial reconciliation. You must understand that, that this comes from God. And also, you must understand that, because I get frustrated when, when, when I hear this. People say God sees no color. And I feel like that's, that's culturally insensitive. Yes, God does see color because he created it. He created everybody unique for the sake of his glory being made known through a diverse people. Furthermore, a diverse people who, who don't deserve to represent God's image. But because of his grace and his mercy and him not showing partiality, he has allowed all nations to experience the glory and grace that he has to offer. And so, if you are here tonight and you call yourself a Christian, yes, you are, you're obligated to, to put your, not only put your partiality aside, but to mortify it, to die to that. That is a fleshly desire. And this is, this is tough for me to talk about because this is the stuff that is personal in my heart. The Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. So one of the biggest ways to pursue racial reconciliation is to trust the Holy Spirit and trust that he will lead you. And I love how in the Great Commission, God, God makes it plain. 
He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. So as the church pursues racial reconciliation and stands in the trenches against segregation, against segregated people groups, just know that God is with you to the end of the age. So for those of you that may be fearful in doing something like this, just know that God is with you and will lead you. Not only will he do that, but you are you are to submit to the Holy Spirit and follow him. God's love, the Holy Spirit, would never lead you to do something ungodly. So when it comes to this idea of segregation, this conversation must be had. And I'll be the first to confess to you that this is a conversation that I've had plenty of times with, with my own ethnicity and then with other ethnicities, and I still find myself dropping the ball day in and day out. But because Christ died for me and he died for you, a people who didn't deserve his love, but we fully deserve the wrath because he died for us and, and took the punishment that we deserve for the sake of us being reunited with God the Father, we now get the opportunity to reflect God's love. And so I encourage you, as you chew on this, this the stuff you're hearing, when it comes to just racial reconciliation, um, Austin, Austin had a couple of good points. Man, you have to become a reader of things diverse. Many of you need to pick up, pick up some uh, writings from Frederick Douglass and see firsthand what he struggled with. And see firsthand why he was really frustrated with Christianity back in the day. I always hear this quote, leaders are readers. And that is so true. And when it comes to being Christians and, and it comes to being the church who should be in the midst of fighting for racial unity, not only should you be rooted in reading your word and being fed, but you should also read things that will help enlighten you on different cultures. And that will, will help you to, to not be oblivious to some of the things that have happened and are still happening. And so this is big. And so things like systemic racism, those type of issues were very pertinent, were very relevant in AD 44. And the solution is still the same. It's the gospel. It's the good news. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how Jesus has broken down the walls of hostility. This is so big. And so tonight, my, my challenge to you is that you would first, that you would repent. That you would re repent from self-righteousness. This idea that, you know, 
you, you may make a statement like, oh, you know, I'm not racist or I'm not partial or I'm not biased. Right off the bat, I encourage you to repent from that and to be teachable. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Secondly, I, I challenge you, no, I encourage you to get to know someone in this room that you don't know. And it takes time. Thirdly, I also encourage many of you, no, no, all of you, to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Austin talked about this, and this is so key for us. And, and this goes in both people groups. In the majority culture, white people, my charge as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would be willing to be slow to speak and quick to listen, slow to anger. Why? Because you get the opportunity to reflect who God is when getting to know someone of a different ethnicity. And, and to my people in the minority culture, my challenge and my hopes is that you would be slow to speak, slow to listen, I mean quick to listen, that you would be patient, that you would also be loving, and that you would produce much fruit in this racial reconciliation. This stuff doesn't happen overnight, but God expects us to be in this fight, the good fight. And then lastly, keep heaven in mind. This should excite you. You get to stand next to someone that doesn't look like you, think like you, or is the same ethnicity with you in heaven for eternity. And sing holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You get to say those type of words over and over again with every tribe, every tongue, from every nation. And this is why it's a big deal to Austin and I. Because we know the end result. And we want to encourage you to live that way. And if you don't know Christ tonight, man, I just want to say, man, you have the biggest opportunity to have an encounter with God tonight. The encouragement for you is that you would get to know the one who loves you unconditionally, in spite of your sin, who has more to offer you than yourself. Jesus has more to offer you than yourself. So, man, this is a big deal. And so I just encourage you to talk to God tonight and to and to repent, just like I will when I walk off the stage. I'll get an opportunity to talk with God. All right, let me pray for y'all. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org. You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org.